And y'all may be asking, when is he going to finish this? This is number nine. Maybe you're not asking in faith. Maybe you're not the always answered asker. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, if you would. Ephesians chapter 3. We're talking about the always answered asker. So let's point to ourselves and say, hey, you. Hey, you. I am I the always answered, the always answered asker. asker. Do you believe that? Yes. If your dreams don't awe you, if they don't make you take your breath, <gasps> then they're not big enough. You should have a Godward dream that keeps you always in awe about what God's going to do. We just listened to Melissa's amazing testimony about things that were quite substantial from where they were living. They were not, they were not living in a five-bedroom home, and they weren't living in three stories. And yet, it happened. And it will happen just like you believe it'll happen. So if your life is not full, or if your life is not real full, it just means that you're asking too small. Ask big. Ask big. Because you have not because you ask. Or you have not big because you ask small. We could say that. So we've looked at this. Let's look at it again this morning. That The, the truth is, our culture right now, is full of religion and churches that have been taught, have taught us to expect difficult and unanswered yes. prayer. Yes. Much more than actually expecting prayer, people are much more comfortable in just the asking of prayer. Believing, just think about why do people ask for prayer that they don't expect an answer? Well, it's because they want God to see them asking the prayer as if he's looking down and filling out a report card or a, an effort card saying, well, that, good, E for effort, good job, you asked for prayer, and I'll get back to you on that. They're not expecting it. Most people are not expecting an answer for prayer. They just want to ask it. That's why when they say, y'all pray for me, they hadn't prayed for themselves yet. So there's a real enigma, a real mystery about prayer, and it's got to be fixed. We cannot host a move of God until we have a confidence that the God we serve is a God that answers prayer. Now, no doubt we have to ask prayers or speak prayers that he already wants to answer. Amen. So if we are asking for prayer or not expecting much from our prayer, we become disappointed. It just becomes a thing where you, you never know what God's going to do. Well, if you have always answered asking, you always know what God's going to do. Because we go to 1 John chapter 5 and says, if we know he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. Isn't that in the Bible? That's what it says. So we've, we've been programmed, and we are unprogramming, We've been brainwashed, but we are washing our brain another way that we do not have delayed or unanswered prayers. So that means you're not going to be praying everything that just comes to your head. You're going to have to stop and take it through a filter, take it through a washing to see if it's something that God wants to answer. In other words, if you're asking for God to smack your enemy or someone you don't like, He's not going to answer that prayer. And aren't you glad? Because somebody's probably said that about you and me. <laughs> so we got, to, we got to pray prayers that God wants to answer. But when we do, he always answers them. But he's got to have a place to land his prayer. And so sometimes people aren't expecting it. And when he answers it different than what they expected, they don't even know that God has been in their life. So... If we don't have prayers or don't have a life of prayer, of faith, that is pleasing to God, then we need a bigger, bigger dream. I need a God dream. If my life is empty in any way, if it's mundane, routine, rote, just walking through the, it's Monday, I always do this on Monday, it's Thursday, and this is what happens on Thursday. 
If you have that kind of life, it's not very exciting. Not very exciting just to mark the calendar off, just to have a birthday every year and everybody give you an attaboy that you're older than you've ever been. Amen. So I want you to think about surprising heaven with an expectancy. Heaven will surprise you if you will surprise heaven that says, I'm the always answered asker. I don't pray often, but when I do, I get it answered. I'm expectant, I'm excited, and I know what my future's like because I'm asking. In Ephesians chapter 3, let's look in this amazing scripture that gives us a framework of, hap- of, of, of heaven, what heaven wants us to have. When we don't ask big, because we don't think God will answer big, then we have a little world. And last week we talked about how uh, we should think big in small places. It's easy, to, it's easy to stir yourself up to think big in small places, but if you had Ephesians 3.20 and you decided to think small in big places, it would be what I would say was sin. Let me say it again. If we choose or if we have a life or our, the record of our existence is that we thought small in big places, we'd say that we were going against the current, we were going against the kingdom. Because he's thinking big. He's thinking big. Well, how do I know that? Well, verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all. All that he decides to do. All that he wants to do. All that he gets around to doing. No, it says that we, that I, say that's me. That we ask or think. According to the power that works in the angels. No, it says it worketh in us. So the future is in me. The future's in here, and it comes out there, and I define my future. Well, you never know what God's going to do. Sure you do. Because it's in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith we preach, that we speak. So no one has an excuse for a sorry, disappointed life except themselves. Well, you don't know my past. You don't know what happened to me. Sure we do. We all have a story. We all have a story. It's, it, I didn't walk five miles each way to school uphill both ways, but I have a story. And I could try to impress you with my story, but then you'd step back and say, well, I got one better than that. How God delivered me from this and God set me on high of that. So we all have a story. So we can't use our story to say, that's why I have a disappointing and uh, an unexciting life. It's because we chose to live like the world gave it to us. In, uh, uh, so we can say that the, the principles of the kingdom, listen, are based on asking. That something about asking enlarges a spot or place inside of us to hold the answer. And that if we don't ask, There's no place for the answer to land. Well, people are upset with God all the time. Well, why did God allow this to happen to me? And why does God allow people, children and others, to to die prematurely? And why does he allow cancer? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the reasons is, is nobody's asking with an expectation to receive. And you could say, well, why isn't God just doing it? Well, there's lots of reasons. One of them is the devil. There's a devil. Well, why didn't God just take care of it? Well, because we buddied up to the devil. We cooperated with him. We gave him our mouth and our authority. There's the curse that's on the earth. Do you all know there's a curse? And that we all came from Adam, and if we don't, and that's our default, and if we don't opt out and get under the canopy of the blessing, we're going to operate in a, in a world that's got a, a curse in it. We've got, we've got an unsanctified mouth because in the, the power of the life and death is in the power of the tongue, the mouth. So uh, I could say it'll never, nothing good's ever going to happen to me, and I would negate or I would oppose what God had planned for me. So there's lots of reasons why good people don't have a good life. And so faith pleases God. 
And asking is pleasing God because asking is faith. Asking is faith expecting to receive. And if you don't ask, then you haven't formed up faith inside for an expectancy to receive. Not flipping asking, well, God, I want you to do this, and would you just do that and this, that. We're not talking about that. That's not real asking. That's, that's tempting Christ. That's messing with the precious things, the holy things. We, we wouldn't do that to someone at the bank. We go in to get a loan or whatever. We wouldn't go in there and just flippantly uh, just talk to them like they were your little sister or something. We'd go in there with all due honor and respect, and we would present our case, and we would see what they could say, and then we would negotiate an end, and it would, it would all come out wonderful. But So we have to do that with God. We have to give respect to the process if we want to enter into the process. So here's what we said last week. God's system for man is designed that we get our answer from God the first time, say first time, time. the first time we ask in a conversational tone. The first time. So that eliminates begging. Wailing, crying, carrying on. It it, uh, it eliminates uh, giving God a bunch of excuses. Well, it's not fair, Lord. They get my neighbor doesn't even serve you, and look, he's driving this and living in that, and and I don't have this, and I serve you all the time. That is common. Trying to go back to works, going back to something you've done to make your case. Well, you can't make your case that way, because God's doing everything based on the blood of Jesus. He sees everybody through the blood of Jesus. So. Uh, it could be what the Lord Jesus said, that the sons of man are smarter or more wise than the sons of God. They're working the system. We're not working the system, but we're not working God's system either. So we're not doing stuff under the table and cheating and carrying on and, and doing stuff that's illegal, but we're not working the kingdom principles either, so they're getting their stuff done, illegally probably, and we're not. So a lot of times they're more blessed than we are. You know, they're working on Sunday. You're not working on Sunday. Well, you've got to get in faith. If you're not working on Sunday, you've got to be in faith that my income will be just as much as if I worked on Sunday and even more. So praise God. So God has designed his system in order that, that man is funded and supplied by asking the first time in a conversational tone. So we go to him like in a, in a law trial in a lawyer trial, we go to the judge and we make our case. I'm here on the blood of Jesus. I'm here by the name of Jesus. I'm here because your word says that you'll supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I make my argument. It tells the devil, you have no part in this. It tells you, you've got a case. It tells the judge, you know what you have in standing. And so he renders, he judges according to his word, the law, so to speak. But if you just flip, go flipping in there and saying, well, I've been better than I used to, and I don't do this as much as I used to, and I really intend to do better, you might not have a case. Because if you can get a case answered like that, then the devil can go to him and say, well, he's not doing as good as he used to, and he's not doing as good as he could to, and he can make a case against you if it's not based on truth. So it's got to be one way or the other. Amen. So remember what it says in Mark chapter 3, uh, chapter 11, verse 24, where it says, uh, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. So it's talking about asking. So asking is important. Well, the word there in that is the word ask. So if we set, go back here to Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding above abundantly above all that we ask. So that word ask is the same word in, in Mark chapter 11, what things soever ye desire. You could translate it ask. The word is also, people don't like this one, but it's also translated demand. What things soever ye demand when you pray. Well, why are we demanding? Because we're not begging. If, if you call Walmart and you said, I, I want uh, 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 uh some, some steaks, and I want you to lay them out, and uh, I'll be by and get them. 
Well, when you come by there, and here's my credit card number. And so you pay, and it's $30. And then you go by it, and you, get, you, you show them, I'm here for my stakes. And they say, no, we, we decided we wanted that $30, and we're not giving you anything. Well, you would get into the demand mode because they were yours according to the law or what you did. Well, that's what we do with God. We don't, we don't demand him snottily. We don't demand uh, out of our place. But we go, go, do go in there and say, your word says by his stripes I was healed. I demand who I am to have what who I am has to do what who I am does. If you don't, the devil will just, he'll, he'll eat your lunch. Like Andrew Womack says, he'll uh, eat your lunch and pop the bag. <laughs> Hallelujah. So um, he says there, accord above all that we ask or think. Now I want to look at this word think here. Because he's telling us, Paul's telling us at the church at Ephesus, he said the minimum that you're going to have is what you ask or what you think. Now, God has said, I'm going to give you more than what you ask or think. How much more? Well, just a dab, just a little. No, he said, exceeding abundantly above all. Those are powerful, powerful words in any language. And if a man proposes to a woman like that, <laughs> she's got a ring. Hallelujah. They, these are powerful things when you say, I'll do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or all you think. Think about the, the, how open that is, how that leaves you vulnerable, how that leaves you where you absolutely are open to anything. Well, God has said, I'll be that man. I'll be that God. I'll be that father. Anything you can ask or think, I'll meet it and I'll beat it. So it's according to what we ask. So I got to ask. I got a demand. I got a desire. I have to bring a concentrated desire before him and saying, Lord, I'm not just flipping. I want a blue car unless you got a red car, unless you got a yellow car. I'm coming in. So, Lord, I'm saying this is what I want. I desire this based on you supply all my need if there's a need or something else. You go in there and you make your deal with God, not haughtily, not as a as a vagabond, not as a thief or, or a, a usurper. But you go in as a son. The, the common joke that we have in the days gone by is, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? Y'all remember when people didn't all have cars, or they didn't have four cars in the driveway. Hallelujah. They said, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? There's no way Dad's going to just say, hey, I was just thinking, son, would you like the keys to the car? That ain't going to happen. <laughs> but if he asks for them, then there's a debate, there's a working out, and then there's a, there's a meeting of that desire. So... Above all that we ask or think. I looked up the word think. I knew you'd want to know. And that word think means to consider, of course. It means to perceive, but it means to understand. Exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or understand. So now it's more than just I'm thinking random thoughts and pinging all over. It's now he's saying, I'll meet your request by what you understand. Now, the Lord dropped this down in me. I've never heard this before, but the other day when it happened, I told Deborah Ann, I said, I just got a revelation. And so this is my revelation. Your asking depends on how you think, how you perceive, how you understand. And here's what he told me about it. Knowledge is sense gathering, sense gathered and learned. So if you read a book or if you hear a telecast or whatever, you have knowledge. Did y'all know that there's still some people that believe that we live on a flat earth? They need more knowledge. They're called the Flat Earth Society, and there's actually some prominent people that have lent their name to that. And I say they're dumb as a post. Hallelujah. So knowledge is simply sense gathered and learned. It is soul-based. What is your soul? Mind, your will, and your emotions. So it's completely up here. It's completely in this part versus your spirit man is down here. The real you lives down here. The real you is eternal. So knowledge is sense gathered. Knowledge is learned. You could be very learned about some things, but you would only have knowledge. You could be a cook. You could be a professor. You could be a mechanic. 
The second thing that we see about think, all you can ask or think, is understanding. Understanding, he said, was sense gathered and learned, excuse me, is the indexing and sorting of knowledge. You all know some people know things, but they don't, they don't put two and two together. Have you met those people? I can give you their name. They don't, they have, what do they say that I can say? They can't pour water out of a boot. That's what we'll say. They just, they just can't put the two together. They know some things, but they can't put them together. Now, wisdom, wisdom is also in the soul, and wisdom is seeing the application and the proving of understanding. So, knowledge, understanding, wisdom has to do with knowledge going one step more each time. So you know people that are so smart, so brilliant, so amazing with facts, but they can't put them together. They can't make it work for anybody. Uh, we've all been there where we just had knowledge. Then we had some understanding. But wisdom is the putting together of that knowledge where it proves out, where you're able to actually work it in your life. But here's the next one, and this is what I learned. The last one is revelation. We got soul, 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 but revelation is not of the soul. It's down here. The revelation, revelation, remember in, uh, in Matthew uh, 16, I believe it's verse 18, where uh, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the Lord Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church. Revelation is the mind of Christ. Say mind of Christ. Well, where is the mind of Christ? It's not up here. This is the mind of Michael. Bless his darling heart. Hallelujah. Sometimes it just, it just doesn't fall together. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. Do y'all do have that mind every once in a while where it just doesn't come together? But the mind of Christ is not up in my head. It's down here. The mind of Christ is revelation. When you know things that your head does not know, does not understand, does not prove or put together, you just know it in what we call your knower, the mind of Christ. So it accesses what the soul has never touched. So you can operate your whole life out of the mind of Christ. You can know everything. But you can't say where you learned it or how you understood it or the wisdom of it. Look at, listen to me in Ephesians 3 verse in the Passion, verse 19 and 20 in the Passion. It, uh, there it is. Now, this is amazing. We read it every week, but we're going to read it this morning. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, because chapter 3 is the love chapter. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. So here we're talking about revelation, aren't we? He never doubt, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Now you've got to have revelation to know some things. So Melissa wrote down these things in her dream book, or whatever she calls it, but that's what you ought to call it. You ought to get a dream book. Y'all say amen when you catch it. You ought to get a dream book. You ought to get your future on paper so you can get your future in your hand. It does not bypass what you're willing to write down and say. Words are the creative part of our being. They were the creative part of God. God said, light be, and doggone, it brightened up. And that's how it's going to come to you. He did it the way we do it as a demonstration, as an example. But he told us how to create our future. Well, we don't know how to recreate our future. Well, so we look at this, and he tells us what we will be happy with, what we'll be blessed with in here. So we just say what he says. We call things like he calls things. And suddenly our life has changed. Let's go on in Ephesians. It says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Y'all say amen. 
he will, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Now, see how different that is than religious prayer? Where there's no expectancy, where, there's, where they're expecting delay, expecting God to come up with some lame reason why he can't do that. Have you all ever heard Christians that says, well, probably God couldn't do that because of me. And so they're, they're, they're praying prayers that they don't expect God to answer. They're disqualified. Well, so pray prayers that, have, that you're qualified to pray and pray prayers that God wants to answer. He wants to heal everyone of everything every time. But if you disqualify by saying, if it be your will, then you have not prayed a prayer that God can answer. Because it is his will. He wants to prosper you, that you would be in health according to your soul prosperous. He wants to prosper us. He said so. He shouldn't have said so. And here he shouldn't have said, I want to do for you exceeding abundantly above unless he was going to back it. It's wrong for fathers to tell their children, we're going to the fair this weekend and then go fishing. Your kids will not like it. They will remember it forever. Because I've talked to 50-year-olds that can tell you exactly what their daddy said he was going to do. And then somebody called and out the door he went on Saturday morning and they're their little deal, he, he broke his promise. We don't need a father that breaks his promise, but wants us to change and be transformed to walk like Jesus. So he's got to keep his word. And so he said, I will do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think, ask or understand, ask or perceive, ask or demand. Any level, any level you want to go there, but it's the minimum that he will bring you is what you ask or think. But he wants to go past that. How does he go past that? You go to a higher level of thinking. You go from knowledge to understanding or from understanding to wisdom or from wisdom to revelation. So if you spent some time praying before you did your praying, you would know what to ask that would get it right the first time. Instead of just blurping it out there. Well, God, I guess I need a new car. This one's shot. This one's not working. I guess I need a new car. I'm asking you for a new car. It doesn't say that God can't do that, but that might not be what Holy Ghost is saying to you at that moment. Are y'all here? Begging is unbelief. So we pray one time. In a conversational tone. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that ye receive them when you pray, and you shall, you shall have them after you pray. Now that's, that's pretty plain. Well, why doesn't God do it? Because nobody has believed it. If we do it like the Bible says, we'll have what the Bible says. If we just finagle it and just kind of cram it in there, if we kind of say close enough, then we don't get the will and the word of God into our lives. So I want to talk about something this morning that's going to be a little bit, a little, you're going to have to get down and get around it. Well, Pam will. Amen. I <laughs> preach to you, sister. <laughs> We're all going to have to get out. If you want to grow up, if you want to grow up, you got to go here because that's why we haven't been always answered askers. That's why we've been close enough. If, it, if he just got us out of the jaws of whatever was chasing us, we all, wait, we all have said, close enough. When he said, but I wanted to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could even think, understand, I want that. I want that before I leave the earth. I want to prove his word. But to do it, I have to be honest in his word. So I've, I've been looking at something that keeps people from getting their prayers answered. And here's what I've come up with. Christians have not been honest. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you, hey, you. Be, honest. be honest. Mark eleven twenty three. Don't go there, but 
It says, uh, basically in the middle of the verse, it says, uh, uh, shall say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. What's the next part? And shall not doubt in his heart. Next part. But believes those things which he saith. Okay, let's stop right there. After that says he shall have whatever he saith. That part right there in the middle is crucial. Believe those things which he saith. Technically, you can just say, I believe. But everything's according to how the kingdom operates, not according to how man operates. So if we don't conform to believe those things which he saith, we won't have, he shall have what he saith. Because what he saith is not based in honesty or in truth. So we're just fishing. We're just throwing something out there saying, well, Lord, I'm going to say it. And I'm going to say I believe that I have it. And I'm just going to see, I'm going to fish and see if I did enough, if I believed enough, and see if you'll let me have what I saith. How many of y'all know that never get, you never get anything on the hook when you do that? I said never. Because James chapter 1 tells us that a double-minded man cannot hope to receive anything. Turn with me to James chapter 4, if you would. When we talk about honesty, it's pretty sensitive. You know, if you talk about giving, well, you can always just measure that. The Bible says give, and I gave. Good enough. The Bible says speak to the mountain, I spoke to the mountain. Good enough. But honesty is not quantified by an event or something you can measure. It's based on the inward man. It's based on your character. It's based on your faith. It's based on you going to God with an open heart and not trying to con God. Conning God is pretty futile. <laughs> I've done it before, I can tell y'all. I'm zero for 10,000. <laughs> he knows stuff. He's got an inside track, and he, he's like, that wasn't it, Michael. That wasn't it. Well, Lord, it was close. Yeah, but it wasn't it. And we're not going to do close enough. Most Christians think that close enough is close enough. But it is not close enough. The things of God, the things of his precious kingdom are supernatural. And they have to be accessed supernaturally. You might find a deal on something you're looking for in a, in a paper, in a, in, a, in a thing, and say, well, here they are for $9.99. And go over there and get a deal. But you can't con God with a deal. He tells you the terms of it, and you got to meet the terms. But when you do, he will do exceeding abundantly above all. You go, well, it never happened for me. There you go. So we have to go deep. Can you all go deep with me this morning? Now, it doesn't matter to me. It'll be up to you, and we're not going to have a raising of hands to say, did you get it or whatever. But in James chapter uh, 4, well, there's no James in my Bible. <laughs> Verse 3, let's read it together. Verse 3, ready, read. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Now, that seems like pretty hard scripture. Uh, you know, you ask and receive not because you were just about there, but you weren't quite there. And you had God in your mind and you, you had a good heart. But you, you know, there's some other things. He says here, he's pretty straight up. He says that ye may consume it upon your lusts. That's a pretty, that's a pretty stout indictment. Ye receive not. So if you ever asked and receive not, don't, don't raise your hand, don't nod, just, but all of us have. All of us have had the disappointment of asking and receiving not. It may, you may have been 20 years ago, you may, get all, you may be knocking it out every time right now, but there's a time when we all didn't know enough to ask, expecting to receive. But he says here, if you receive not, you didn't ask right. It says, uh, uh, where does it say that? 
in verse 2, the last part of that, says, ye have not because ye ask not. Well, we're fixing that. But then when we ask and receive not, he said, ye ask amiss. So I want to talk about the amiss part. Would y'all like to fine-tune your asking so you can fine-tune your receiving? Because it's personal. This isn't something that everybody comes up here and marks it on the board or that we pass out cards and you answer the question. This is personal. This is what you do with it, and it doesn't matter any to any of us. But if you want to have success in the kingdom, and I do, you're going to have to fine-tune some things. So I wrote down... Uh, well, let me read the Amplified of that. You do ask and yet fail to receive. Man, I am tired of being there. I want to be always answered. Because you ask with wrong purpose and evil, selfish motives. Your intention is, when you get what you desire, to spend it in sensual pleasures. Man, that's tough. James was riding high in the saddle when he wrote that, don't you think? He was whooping everybody. He could have just said, well, it won't be as good as you wanted it to be. He said, ah, you want to spend it on sex, sensual pleasure. Okay, moving right along here. We'll get off of that verse. In Luke chapter 11, turn there with me. We've got to go to Luke chapter 11. We're talking about being an always answered asker. And we're saying that asking is how the kingdom works. So if asking is how the kingdom works, and I have asking wrong, messed up, fouled out, then the kingdom is not working for me. Is that right? If asking really is a big part of the kingdom, and I don't have my asking right, then I don't have a big part of the kingdom. Going to heaven. Now, yes, sir, we are going to heaven. This is not talking about going to heaven. This is not talking about God love you. He loves you, but he loves us in such a way that he says, I got some stuff for you. If you'll just do this, it'll come right to you. So in, uh, in Luke chapter 11, verse 8, oh, let's just read the whole, the whole story there. Uh, verse 5, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is coming to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say. He'll say, You're just a neighbor. You're just a friend. I'm going to measure our friendship right here. He says, trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. You talk about getting your friendship measured. <laughs> ask, ask your friends for certain things, and you'll, you'll have no doubt where you stand. I'll lay down my life for you. No, I won't, I won't get up out of bed and get the bread for you. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So there's a key to asking. We said that importunity was a word that meant shameless persistence. It's not begging. It's not, it's not pulling on the skirt of Jesus and saying, I'm still here, I'm still here. It's not begging. It means a resolution that you come to inside. In other words, you have to be honest. You can't just say, well, I'm your friend, and, I, and I'll loan you my lawnmower next week if you'll get up and get me some biscuits. It's not that. It's not a tradesy. It's not a deal. It's not begging. It's because of the resoluteness in the asker. It, uh, importunity means assurance accompanied by total disregard of the opinions of others. So right there, you have to lift yourself out of what people think. You have to have an agenda that is totally Godward, and you do not care how it happens in the sense of what people think. You're getting the job done. You've been sent to acquire, and here you are 
taking care of business. Let me read it again. Assurance accompanied by total disregard of the opinions of others. It means shameless forwardness. You ever sit, known anybody that was forward? They said things a little fast and a little, a little above their pay grade, and, uh, and it, it, we don't know each other that well for you to say what you just said. That's forward. It's none of your business. But you just asked me something or said something to me that, that we call that forward. Well, this is shameless forwardness. It means to be offensively bold. Let's say it. Offensively bold. So this is talking about that thing in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 24. What things soever ye desire or that ye demand when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. You demand that you have what the word says you have. And you're not going to be shorted by the devil, by people, by your past, your experience. I have what you say I have, and that's the end of it. And that's what God expects out of us. No begging, no wimping around, no tradesies. That thing where people are always saying, Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I promise to serve you the rest of my days. That is sin. It sounds noble, but that's taking the precious things of God where he looks at us by the blood of Jesus and saying that he will change his divine mind based on some deal that we negotiate that we don't have the strength to follow through and finish. Right. We don't have it. It doesn't matter how many times you said, I'll, I'll do that. You can't do it. Let's talk about honest asking. Now listen to these scriptures. I have five of them. Talking about honest. Recompense, Romans 12, 17, recompense to no man evil for evil. Here it is, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Provide things honest, be honest. 2 Corinthians 8, 21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. 2 Corinthians 13, 7, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest appear approved, but do it when no, as if nobody, as if everyone's looking, but nobody's looking. Philippians 4.8, it says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, and it goes on, it says, think on these things. Honest. 1 Peter 2.12 says, having your conversation, your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles, that they shall behold Glorify God in the day of visitation. So here the word's telling us to be honest, to be true inside. You may not be who you want to be seen to be, but you're honest with who you are. You're honest. You just say, yeah, I messed that up. I'll own that. I did that. Please forgive me. I'm honest. I did it. Instead of starting to negotiate, well, you said, and this is what happened, and I didn't mean to, and because you did this, Three days ago, I did, I messed up, I own it, I'm honest. Someone says, will you pray that prayer of faith? I have to be honest, I can't pray the prayer of faith with confidence. Wouldn't that be better than someone just rattles off out of their head and you think they've prayed and they have not? So, I put down, I come to the conclusion, because I'm preaching this to me, do what you will with it that believers do not dominate their life because they are not honest. There's a schism and division. Remember 1 Corinthians 1, 10, it says, let there be no schism or division among you, but that you come together in the same mind and the same judgment. Well, it's talking about us having an agenda for people, for God, and having another secret part of our life where there's a schism or a division between what we really are and what we know we really are and what we portray others to be, or others, for others to, to think that we are. So I put down, I'm just telling you what's in my notes, these people, including myself, are pretenders. Say it with me, pretenders. And I will say to all of you, including me, we should not be pretenders. We should be honest. We want our prayers answered. How often? I want to be the always answered asker. 
But to do that, I have to come down a level or go to a side place and say, I'm honest and 100% at this level, even though it looks like you need me to be this level, I am not. I'm honest. I need to grow up. I need to work that out. I need to own things that I'm defensive about and that I won't, I won't say I did it and I... We've got to be honest and not be pretenders. And so I know many pretending askers. I know you do too. Maybe you could look at yourself in the mirror and say, you've been a pretender. Stop it. Quit it. Who does it hurt? Do you think you're putting it by somebody? Do you think that we are not, every one of us, able to discern when someone is dishonest with us? Why, we can take the rolling of an eye or the, uh, just a squint when we tell somebody and we can read their exact reaction to what we just said or did. We know. <laughs> I rolled my eyes if you're on the camera. <laughs> It's, it's, uh, so if we know that, if we know body language, then we certainly know dishonest people. It's better to be who you are and say, I'm growing, I'm increasing, than to be a pretender. And then being honest, even though you're not where you think you should be to be a, an always answered asker, God will take you at the level that you're honest and put you over there, whereas before, without that, you'll fail. If you're religious, if you're saying, ah, I deserve this, then you might not get it. So uh, I know many pretenders, and I'm pretty much telling you the pretenders I know, they don't get anything. For instance, We'll just use one out of the blue because I'm, I'm trying to find something that, that all my pretender acquaintances, myself included, this doesn't pertain to. But say you need a new car. Say you don't even need a new car. Say you want a new car. Say, I want that car. Come on. I want that car. Well, that doesn't seem very important to God. I want a car. I want a car. No, God, my car is, is so here's what pretenders do. This is a piece of junk. This is no good. Why, it's, I'm afraid to go out of town. Why, this thing could break down on me any moment. Why, I, I can't do good at work because of this car, and I can't do... You're a pretender. What should you do? God, I want a new car. This one I got is just two years old, but I want a new car. It's not that I promise to do anything for you. I don't. I'm going to walk my life by faith. I'm told you this, is, this could get a little rough. This could be a little close to home. Zing, zing. <laughs> so you just tell God, I'm being honest. I want a new car or a newer car. Do I have to tell you that mine's broke down? Do I have to tell you this, is, this could happen or that could happen? I could be stranded. Instead of just believing God, I'll never be stranded in this car. We start negotiating a pretending atmosphere, asking him for a new car, and then doing an addendum, a, a little IE, saying, I'll pick up people and, go and take them to church if you'll give me a new car. The payment won't be much for longer, much bigger. Uh, this one will get better mileage. That's a pretender. Honestly, you just say, I want a new car. Do you care if I have a new car? He'll say, exceeding abundantly above. Now, you've got to be honest even in that, in asking him, is it time for me to have a new car? I want one. Usually, I have found he will say yes. But if you abide in him and his words abide in you, you'll ask accurately. You won't be just saying, well, I'm going to fill up my life with things. No, you abide in him. You know what, when it's time to get a new car, and you know when it's not time to get a new car, and you ask in faith, but mostly you ask honestly. So I've seen these people that say, that want a new car. They're tired of it. I'd have got tired of it too, but I've driven old stuff, and I wasn't tired of it. 
My car's not real old, but it's old enough that I could, I could tell people, ah, this thing's eight years old. I need, I, it's time for me to go, and it's got this many miles. Of course, then the Smiths would walk in the room, and I'd have to <laughs> shut my mouth. <laughs> no, just when it's time, I'm going to tell the Lord, it's time. And he'll say, it sure is. And I'll ask him for a new car, and he'll say, exceeding, abundantly above. I'm going to get you a better car than what you're even thinking, or whatever he wants to do. I'm not telling him what to do. I'm going to get what I ask and what I think, and he's going to do the more than, than I could do. So uh, you've got to get in faith and quit begging. Quit negotiating with your asking. What do we say about importunity? Assurance accompanied by total disregard of the opinions of others. So drive up in the driveway with a new car at church, and everybody else is driving dogs. Yap, yap, yap. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> They're driving dogs. And you just, especially if you're the pastor, you don't want to drive up with a new car when there's people in your church that are having to take assistance for living or they're having troubles or whatever, why you ought to do no better than what they're doing. I read a little thing this week about pastors, and it said pastors ought to have no more than the littlest member in their church. That's in the trash now if you can find it. We didn't, we didn't look at that. But now this is hard. It's hard to drive up with a new car, just as an example, when you know there's people in there that will say, I've had people that told me, I'm not giving to River Church because he is driving better and living in better than me. I need it worse than him. We had a couple in uh, West Texas that gave their tithe to their children going to college because their children didn't have tuition. So they gave their tithe to their kids. Do what you will, but that's not honest. That's not honest. That's not what the Word says. Well, we just been it, and we just thought, and we just assumed, and we just... Uh, uh, no, it's not honest. And guess what it does? It never works out. I can know when my words before God are not honest. You can hear it in your own voice. You can hear begging. You can hear negotiating. You can hear what people say and what, what will people think. Now, we're having to be honest about that, that you can know when you're not honest, if you're honest. Be honest. Be honest. Be true. Well, I don't really deserve a car because I, I had a car since the pastors had one, and I sure don't want to drive up there with him not getting one, and we ought to wait until he gets one. Bless your heart. Because my whole, my whole heart may be in a house or whatever, and car's not my deal. Are you going to wait on your car because I don't have a thing for cars? Or whatever, or whatever. I'm, I'm not trying to use something, example. I'm just trying to get you in that wavelength of what people think is not good enough. So I wrote down here, because I write a lot of stuff in my deal, be foolish before men in your honesty. We don't care what they think. Shameless forwardness, offensively bold, not begging at all. Be shameless before men in your honesty before you're willing to beg God with a lie. I'm telling you, you'll be happy. You'll get your prayers answered. I said, you'll get your prayers answered. Now, how happy can anybody be if they're getting all their prayers answered? All of them. Well, that keeps you busy. No, I don't pray day and night. I need this. I want that. But when I do, I'm shamelessly bold before God. It is time. I believe I receive, and therefore I have it. And that's the end of the discussion. No devil, no person, no people, no, no schism in my mind is going to talk me out of it. That's what I'm having. So if you're afraid to do that, you're just not in faith. Don't be condemned, just get in faith. Don't be condemned, just get in faith.
Get in faith. I want this and he has that and I don't get it. I don't understand. Get in faith. You have to get in faith just like we all have to get in faith. Like Kenneth Copeland has to get in faith. Like everybody has to get in faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And you got you to gotta put yourself in front of the word and get yourself in faith about whatever you're wanting to be the always answered asker. But everybody is in the, religion's in the shortcut business. They don't want to do it God's way. They want to do it religion's way. I tell you, there's a lot of churches that people go to. Let's just meddle just a little bit. They go to, and they go there because they think that God approves of what the church is doing. So they think if, if this is the church, if this is what they do, if this is all I have to do, then God must be approving you. Why would I want to do more than what he's approving? But just because churches are doing it, just because a pastor's saying it, doesn't mean God's approving of it. I almost got an amen out of that. Ah, y'all are, are trying. Hallelujah. So if you're, not, if you're afraid, you're not in faith. Quit faking it. Get in faith. Some people are just bored. I have been bored. I've, I've, I started, I'll get, be honest, I'll just be honest. I started a church in Hoover, Alabama in 2008. And I went back and said, what happened? What happened? Why would I do that? How did that happen? Because it obviously did not work. Why did I? And, and he said, you are bored. God, I need something a little more spiritual. You know, it wasn't the will of time, and Jesus was coming back, and Saturn and Jupiter were over here. No, you were just bored. You were just subject to the lust of the flesh. <gasps> we all have been, because that's why we don't have perfect lives. And we have to be honest. I have decided, I have discovered, that my faith is measured by my words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if there's nothing in the heart, the mouth doesn't have much to speak. But if there's something in the heart, you'll be telling it. I got it. I got it. It's mine. Where is it? When is it? What is it? I got it. I'm calling things that be not. And you're not weird. You're not something that's, that's over there. You just have a quiet, you don't even talk about it unless someone asks. But, but you've got it. I'm going to suppose, let's just speculate, that Melissa, for three years, got it. By meditating on things based on Scripture, I read you the Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8 about goodly houses. She took that, I'm assuming, we hadn't talked, but, and just wrote those down. I've had a dream book and wrote those down. And I'm telling you, amazing things came out of that. But I had to meditate it because there was enemies against my dream book. There was enemies that says, this isn't going to happen. Or you're getting along and you think, well, this is going good. And suddenly the bottom drops out of that thing because you don't now, now know how it could happen. But you just pick up your britches and get your boots up and sail on because you're in faith. This is real good, y'all. So, if you're bored, you just aren't excited about the Word. And that's what happened to me. We were doing a good thing, and everything was going good, and I wanted something else to do. Well, there was plenty there to do. I just wasn't doing it. Can we be honest? Because you've all been there, and that wasn't the first time I had been there. Luke 11, 8, I'm just going to tell you this one more time. Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will, rise him, he will arise and give as many as he needeth. I'm an always answered asker. I've gone through lots of unanswered prayers to get here. And I won't say I'm there but I, I'm telling you, I'm shooting. I'm aiming for the always answered. I'm aiming for not having something that disappoints me, that I asked for, and it didn't happen. I, I don't like that. We gave testimonies this morning. We heard testimonies, 
And every testimony did something for you. What testimonies do is they say, they say, God wants to do it again. When you hear a testimony, immediately the scripture that says he is no respecter of persons comes into your heart and says, well, if he'd do it for Melissa. But you may say, I don't want what Melissa asked for. Well, get a, get a half page over here and get what you want. A testimony will tell you God wants to do it again. So we testified this morning. Testimonies give you the victory. Victories beget victories. But disappointments also sink the ship. You can't, you can't handle many disappointments. So we got to get it right. How do we get it right? I get honest. God, I'm not in faith about this. I remember Keith Moore one time, Pastor Keith Moore, saying he was believing God for a jet. This is so interesting to me. He said, I was believing him for a jet because he was, had two churches, one in Branson and one in Sarasota. And he said, one day I was in prayer and he said, I could feel the wing sticking out of my faith. He said, I had the left wing in, I had the engine in, I had the tail, but there was this wing sticking out. He said, I knew I wasn't there. You can measure your faith. Just listen to your mouth. You'll measure your faith. Have someone else listen to you. At the end of the week, tell them, ask them, am I in faith about this? And they'll say, well, you said this. You did this. Oh, we can't afford that. I'd never say that. I would never say I can't afford. I would say it's not wisdom at this time, but I would never say I can't afford because he supplies all my need. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? That ye through his poverty ye might be made rich. So you got to cut down on the disappointments. It's killing us. And I mean that in the sense of victory. It's killing the victories. Because if you don't have that shameless boldness, when the neighbor, the friend tells you, I'm not getting up for it, when you tell God, I need this, and he says, that's not going to get it, then you will be, you'll be cast away. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for helping us today. You are our very present help in time of trouble, and you lay help on him who is mighty. And we declare by the Lordship of Jesus that I am, we are mighty, mighty in him. So, Lord, we ask you to lay help on us. We all need help in some way, some degree, some measure. We all need help. Nobody is without need of help. But, Lord, you're our helper. And so we're thanking you right now for things changing, turning around. We are agreeing with heaven. Say it with me. I am agreeing with heaven. Again, I am agreeing with heaven. Lord, put a guard on my lips. Death and life. I say life is in the power of my tongue. I will speak the truth only. Thank you, Jesus. That's what I have. I create it just like you create it. You are my father. I do what my father does. So I thank you, Lord, for this year. Fixing to be just nine months left of it is the most powerful experience we've ever had transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We see some stuff this year. And we thank you for helping us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, well we, Barry's got a big roll of bandages back there. If anybody's can limp back there after that message and, <laughs> and uh, say, he hurt my feelings. Hurt my feelings. You know, I'd have cleared out a big congregation with that message. I could do it. Yes, ma'am, I can do it. I got to clear out the big congregation anointing. <laughs> the disciples, when the Lord Jesus said, uh, 
eat my blood, drink my blood and eat my flesh. They said, this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? And he said, are you going to leave me? And they said, you alone have the words of life. He alone has the words of life. We have to hear his words. Whatever it takes, whatever situation. If, if the underground church in China would meet in barns all night long out in the country so they could lift their voice. We're not there now, but we have to be ready so that no matter what it takes, we will serve God. Amen. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. I declare your path clear. There is provision and supply in your path. The anointing and grace of God on you to live your life according to heaven's plan is on you. And everything that it takes to live, there's plenty more where that came from. And I, I declare it, the plenty is becoming more. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we're going to have resurrection next Sunday. We'll be here for uh, uh, talk yourself into the life you love. God bless you.